You are tuned to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, April 28th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. California gets to claim yet another innovation. We're the first state to have a digital privacy protection agency. The California Report talks to the director about the challenge of building a $10 million department from the ground up. After regional news and weather, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza talks to architect Bruce Boyd about the new stage at the North Columbia Schoolhouse Cultural Center, built entirely by volunteers. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Following a scathing audit of deaths in San Diego County jails, state legislation to improve care for the incarcerated is a step closer to becoming law. A bill from San Diego County Assemblymember Akila Weber would increase training requirements for jail staff when dealing with mentally ill inmates. There is definitely a crisis of incarcerated people dying behind bars. A jail sentence cannot be a death sentence in our communities. The legislation would also ensure that deputies conduct detailed safety checks for at-risk inmates and that medical professionals are included on the Board of State and Community Corrections, which sets minimum standards for jail operations. A report this month from the Citizens Law Enforcement Review Board found that San Diego County had the highest number of excess deaths among California's 12 largest county jails. The most recent death occurred yesterday when 25-year-old Omar Ornelas was found unresponsive in his cell at San Diego County's George Bailey Detention Center. And Stockton city leaders have found a new chief to lead the police department. KQED Suki Lewis reports that Stanley McFadden, who is currently a deputy chief in San Jose, will be the first African-American to lead the department. McFadden started out as a rookie cop with San Jose nearly 30 years ago. Now he's taking the role of top cop over Stockton's approximately 400 sworn officers. The city manager says, like in any big city, McFadden will face challenges with staffing and recruitment, as well as building trust with the community. McFadden replaces Eric Jones, who retired last year. His first day on the job will be June 1st. For the California Report, I'm Suki Lewis. Let's turn to your digital privacy. To help protect it and give people more control over what companies do with consumers' data, the state has enacted new privacy laws and created the country's very first privacy protection agency to enforce them. Technologist and data privacy expert Ashkan Sultani is the director of the agency. He's been on the job for about six months now and gave the California Report one of his first interviews. I started the conversation by asking Sultani about what it's like to start such an agency from scratch. Well, you know, there's not a handbook, and apparently it's pretty unique to start a brand new agency. Our running joke is, I think one of our big milestones are going to be when we buy a printer, because there's a running joke. It's not really true, but the running joke is it takes six months to buy a printer. But really, we're just kind of starting from scratch, and it's been pretty nuts. It's literally from things like getting... IT services and getting, um, you know, office space to also trying to operate and um, meet our goals and deadlines for rulemaking and for enforcement. So it's been a lot. It's been a lot for sure. 
Mr. Soltani, your agency has an initial budget of $10 million. When you fully staff up, you'll still have fewer than 50 employees. Yet when it comes to protecting people's digital privacy, you're supposed to police some of the richest companies in the world, all of them with armies of lawyers. If there is serious pushback from industry when it comes to your agency's regulatory and enforcement efforts, can you handle it? You know, I'm not deluded. I do expect uh, enforcement will be a challenge, particularly given how well-resourced a lot of the industry is. But I do think the statute is clear. I do think that there's a number of businesses that want to do the right thing. They just want clarity and that they recognize that you know there, there are certain practices that consumers should be able to have rights around or, or have rights to opt out of. And I think um, we'll be actively focused on those. So our hope is that we might not be that big, but we will at least have you know, the consumer rights on our side that are very clear in the statute. You know, we live in a world where a lot of people's passwords are 12345, and many people aren't well-versed in digital privacy issues. How important will public education be to your agency's efforts? Public awareness and education is hugely important. This is an incredibly complicated topic. I think it's incredibly nuanced, and I think it happens most of the issue happens without people's knowing. Like a lot of the the sharing and sale of personal information often happens without consumers' awareness and knowledge. And as a result, I think um, when people are made aware, they will then be able to more essentially invoke their rights or take advantage of the rights they have. All right. We've been talking to Ashkan Sultani, the head of California's new Privacy Protection Agency. Mr. Sultani, thanks so much for joining us on the California Report. Saul, thank you for having me. Sultani's agency will be holding a stakeholders meeting next week, and he invites the public to participate. You can get more information by going to the Privacy Protection Agency's website at cppa.ca.gov. That's cppa.ca.gov. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. Hint. Water with a touch of true fruit flavor. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. An effort to shut down three oil platforms off the Orange County coast has cleared its first legislative hurdle, but there are concerns about the potential costs, even from some Democrats who oppose offshore drilling. From Santa Monica, KCRW's Daryl Satzman has more. State Senator Dave Min introduced the bill in the aftermath of last year's damaging spill off Huntington Beach when a broken pipe released an estimated 25,000 gallons of crude oil into the water. The motion would empower state regulators to end offshore oil lease agreements with the rig operators by 2024 if arrangements can't be made sooner. Min says the operations put the environment and people's livelihoods in peril. These offshore rigs threaten a vibrant California coastal economy that generates $44 billion a year in economic activity and employs over a half million Californians. Some of Min's fellow Democrats remain on the fence. Their hesitancy stems from the state's potential costs and liability when the rigs are decommissioned. Here's State Senator Bob Hertzberg of Van Nuys. 
money's not printed on trees. So you're saying we're going to take this money out of foster care or we're going to take it out of money that we need to build housing for homeless. The legislation did pass its first Senate committee this week. For the California Report, I'm Daryl Satzman in Los Angeles. And that is the California Report for Thursday, April 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. As always, thanks for listening and talk tomorrow. In regional news, after two decades of holding its cinematic festivities in mid-January, the Wild and Scenic Film Festival announced today that it will change the festival dates next year. In 2023, the festival will take place during President's Day weekend, February 16th through 20th. The presiding judge of the Nevada County Superior Court stated today in a letter addressed to the community at large that the findings of a study of the fate of the Nevada County Courthouse will be presented at a public hearing on May 26th. In the letter sent to media outlets and posted on ubinet.com, Judge S. Robert Tice Raskin said that at the May hearing, the study's findings will be presented to the State Judicial Council's Court Facilities Advisory Committee. That body will decide which option for updating the courthouse will be pursued during a public hearing in June. The date of the June meeting has yet to be announced. In the letter, Tice Raskin wrote, The judges of this court are truly pleased that Nevada County is slated to have a state-of-the-art courthouse to meet the important justice needs of our community as a whole and for years to come. The court looks forward to reviewing the results of the study and very much appreciates the valuable input that has been provided to date by the community. He added that the court will provide periodic updates to the community in connection with the process. Here's an ongoing reminder that drivers on State Route 20 in Nevada County should expect 20-minute delays and one-way traffic controls at several locations starting Monday and lasting for the next few weeks. Construction of turnouts is occurring near Conservation Road and grading is scheduled near Washington Road. Moving on to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service, continuing mild temperatures are expected over the next week. There's a chance of a shower at higher elevations with locally breezy winds. Temperatures will trend slightly warmer by Saturday. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley will be mostly clear with a low around 40. Friday will be mostly sunny with a high near 68. Friday night will be partly cloudy with a low around 47. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, mostly clear with a low around 23. West winds of 10 to 15 miles per hour will become lighter later in the evening. Friday will be mostly sunny with a high near 60 and a low around 33. In Sacramento and Woodland this evening, increasing clouds with a low around 48. Friday will be mostly sunny with a high near 79 and a low around 51. Friday will see winds of 7 to 14 miles per hour with gusts as high as 22 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR.
Racing Against the Clock, an all-volunteer construction crew, is using repurposed material that has endured for almost 120 years to build a new outdoor stage for the North Columbia Schoolhouse Cultural Center. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza goes behind the scenes with architect Bruce Boyd. 38 years ago, a group of volunteers built a wooden stage behind the North Columbia Schoolhouse. This year, the beloved Cultural Center's amphitheater is getting an upgrade. Using repurposed steel from the old Pine Street Bridge in Nevada City, volunteers are constructing a stage for the ages. Here's local architect Bruce Boyd. We were talking about what we were going to do to replace it, and we came up, we wanted to do something fireproof. So we started looking for people to donate beams and various parts so that we could, you know, it's going to all be done by volunteers. Uh, and um, one of the husbands of uh, uh, one of the board members was a metal worker. Don Mossman was talking with Vern, and Vern had built a bridge in Pioneer Park using some of the steel from the 1903 Pine Street Bridge, which was taken down in 1997. And in the big storm this winter, a tree fell right down the middle of the bridge and broke it. And Don said, hey, well, is there any more of that stuff? And Vern said, yeah, there's a whole yard full of it and nobody's used it for, you know, whatever it's been, 40 years. And so Bill Falcone, who used to be the city engineer, um, I called him and we put together a list of stuff and they went to the city council and the city council approved us getting this material and we're going to use it to frame the, the stage. And it's beautiful stuff. It's from Carnegie Steelworks. The I-beams are made of cross webbing and it's all riveted material from 1903. Uh, you just can't get this kind of stuff. It's still perfectly strong. We're going to wrap the underside of the stair, I mean the stage, all the way around with this material. So you'll see the rusted X bracing and uh, the iron work. It, it's lasted, you know, a long time. It'll last another hundred years. Volunteers have already started working on the project with the goal of completing the stage before midsummer. We've already demolished the old stage. Um, the real goal is to uh, get this stage all done before the Sierra Foothill Regional Storytelling Festival uh, goes on this year, which happens mid-July this year. And um, everyone's really excited because it's been three years since they've had a live show out there in the amphitheater. They've got a really good group of storytellers coming, a lot of old-timers, and um, yeah, it's going to be really fun. And, they need a new stage. We didn't want to see anyone go through that wood deck, you know. It just it was it was a case of, well, do we have to postpone again? So we all just said, um, we'll get it done. And right now we have a group of old timers, in a sense, with all this construction experience, who come forward and said, yeah, I'll take this part, I'll take this part, and so it's just been great. The new stage won't just be beautiful. Being built from a combination of poured concrete and steel, it will also be fireproof. Well, we're all super conscious of fire. We have, I think it was four years ago, during the storytelling festival, 
there was a fire down uh, towards Edwards Crossing, you know, and we could see it from the stage, and we could see the helicopters coming over and getting water from some lakes around and dumping it, and, and then the big bombers, and it was like, it's real, you know, and, and uh, the Highway Patrol was wondering whether they should shut the storytelling festival down. So it's very much in our consciousness to, to do something that will last a much longer than a wood stage. Volunteers will be hard at work this weekend at the North Columbia Schoolhouse Cultural Center. Anyone interested in helping out should call the schoolhouse at 530-265-2826 or email them at ncscc.us. And mark your calendars. The 35th annual Sierra Storytelling Festival will take the new stage this summer on July 8th and 9th. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. You may not believe this, but it is still National Poetry Month for three more days. The verbs continue to be excited. Most of the nouns are quietly holding the fort as usual, and the modifiers, adjectives and adverbs, everyone's favorite parts of speech by far, are jostling for position wherever they can possibly fit themselves. I'm going to read you a poem in a minute, but first let's talk about that phrase I just used, hold the fort. I think it comes from at least medieval times and could apply to any colonist incursions onto indigenous land. But Google says its origin was a military order wired by General William Tecumseh Sherman during the Civil War. I'm trying to rid my mind and speech of military terms as a way to foster peace on earth. Boots on the ground and you don't want to die on that hill are two currently popular ones, but there are so many that have weaseled their way into civilian speech. Deadline, grunt work, dodging a bullet, running for cover, loose cannon. Even the whole nine yards, which I always thought was a football reference, knowing nothing about that game, except there is yardage and it's significant, turns out to be perhaps the length of sleeve of ammunition for the guns in World War II fighter planes. I'm not sure deadline is removable from the modern American lexicon at this point, but I never need to say grunt work or blockbuster again. I'm hoping not to die at all, much less on a hillside, so that one's easy too. Different languages, you may know, have a set order when you describe something. In English, it goes like this. Quantity, opinion, size, physical quality, age, shape, color, origin, material, type, and purpose. Alexandra Teague wrote a poem I love about this phenomenon in her book, Mortal Geography. Adjectives of Order That summer, she had a student who was obsessed with the order of adjectives. A soldier in the South Vietnamese army, he had been taken prisoner when Saigon fell. He wanted to know why the order could not be altered. The sweltering city streets shook with rockets and helicopters. The city sweltering streets. On the dusty brown field of the chalkboard, she wrote, the mother took warm homemade bread from the oven. City is essential to streets, as homemade is essential to bread. 
He copied this down, but he wanted to know if his brothers were lost before older, if he worked security at a 20-story modern downtown bank or downtown 20-story modern. When he first arrived, he did not know enough English to order a sandwich. He asked her to explain each part of lovely, big, rectangular, old, red, English, Catholic, leather, Bible. Evaluation before size, age before color, nationality before religion, time before length, adding and one could determine if two adjectives were equal. After Saigon fell, he had survived nine long years of torture. Nine and long. He knew no other way to say this. I wish you and yours a truly poetical last three days of April. And if you'd like to fill your heads with more good words, the Sierra Poetry Festival org takes place all day Saturday in person at the Miners Foundry in Nevada City. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, it's an all-new edition of The Climate Report with your host, Martin Webb. At 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Tonight, Democracy Now! explores the case of Brittany Griner, the WNBA player who has been in custody on drug charges in Russia since February. Then at 8 p.m., it's back to the music with Jazz Workshop, hosted tonight by Nora Nausbaum. Followed at 10 by Road Dog Radio with DJ Llama Socks. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors and Hospice of the Foothills Gift and Thrift Stores. Two locations, 840 East Main Street, Grass Valley, and 17440 Penn Valley Drive, Penn Valley. All proceeds support end-of-life care for patients and families. Information at hospiceofthefoothills.org. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Friday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News. (laughs) 